like Sonny said, I'm carrying on a little bit with what we talked about last week, which was encouragement. And I think, and I don't know what the discussions with your community groups were like if you, uh, if you go to community groups, that one of the things that happens often is that we can confuse encouragement and praise. Uh, and in talking with Pete about this series and knowing that he was going to talk about encouragement, I thought it would be interesting to consider the difference between the two because I think we do a lot more praise than we do encouragement. And I also feel as though we think that we're encouraging people when we're actually praising people. And I'll explain what I, what I mean by that shortly. But it's probably going to be, it could be a little bit interesting this morning uh, because really this is going to be about keeping thoughts in tension, keeping two things which seem to be at opposition with each other, keeping them in tension and balancing them all out. I was talking to Wes about it earlier and he said that's really what most Christianity is about. It's about not going too far in one direction because as soon as you go too far, things can become destructive and you can become obsessed with one area and forget about a bunch of other areas as well. So really it's about keeping things in tension, about keeping balance. And it's going to be important this morning that you um, hear what I say but also hear what I don't say because it's possible that you might jump to some conclusions at the beginning and if you don't listen to the whole way through then you might not be able to get the overall balancing act that we have to do here. I've got lots of little caveats at the beginning here to make sure that uh, you don't kind of switch off halfway through because you don't like what I'm saying. I don't really think that it's a divisive or controversial uh, uh, sort of topic though. I actually think it's a, a fairly ordinary topic talking about praise but really it's the ordinariness of it. It's the fact that it's something that we do all the time, um, every day, that actually can be the controversial part of it because it's something that we all take for granted. And you might this morning find yourself trying to find space to uh, disagree or find uh, exception or fault in what I'm saying. But I really encourage you to, to listen to the whole thing and then come and talk to me afterwards. It would be great. So what it says up there... Um, you know, what I'm talking about this morning is the problem with praise. And by praise, I pretty much just mean uh, positive comments that we make about one another or to one another. And I'll start off from the beginning by saying this. Praise is good. Praise is a good thing. But it has potential to be bad. Just like last week, Pete discussed encouragement, and we saw that encouragement can be used for good, to encourage people to do good things, but can also be used for bad, to encourage people to do bad and stupid things. Um... As a reminder from last week, encouragement means to embolden someone, to put courage inside of them. And encouragement has, as you can see by that, a future purpose. Its goal is to prepare and inspire someone to do something. It can be used well to encourage someone to good deeds, as we see in Hebrews 10, which is what Pete discussed last week. But obviously it can be used badly uh, to encourage someone to do something evil or stupid, which is why we often hear people most of the time mothers talking about sons saying things like don't encourage him. Okay, encouragement sometimes, bad thing. But praise is a little bit different. And I want to suggest, like I said, that we do a lot more praising than we do encouraging. Praise means to express warm approval or admiration. It also means to expre express respect and gratitude, which is why we praise God. We sing songs of praise to God, which express our admiration, respect and gratitude towards him. Much of the time, we might think that we're encouraging someone by saying something like, Joel, I love your hair. You know, how encouraging am I saying how much I love his hair? Now, it's true that it could be encouraging, 
but it's actually not an obvious and direct encouragement. There's something that needs to happen um, for it to take the step from a mere compliment and become encouragement. Joel would have to hear what I've said and then kind of process that as, oh, he liked my hair, I'm going to do that again. I'm going to have my hair like this again. Does that make sense? Then it's turned into a future thing. If he just goes, oh, Diff likes my hair, yay me, it's just praise. It just stops right there. Encouragement is a future thing. So hopefully you can see how that works. Encouragement is naturally forward-looking. But praise is generally in the present or in the past. You praise something, someone for something that they're doing or something that they've done. Does that make sense? It's a fairly obvious distinction as soon as you think about it. And it's interesting because the etymology of the word praise also helps us to give a good indication of what it means. Uh, last week we looked at the etymology of uh, encourage and we saw that it meant to put courage in. And praise uh, has very interesting roots. And you've probably heard the word praise before in other words, such as the word appraisal. And appraisal means to kind of find the value of something. You know, if you're going to uh, go to a house appraisal, you're working at the value of the house. And praise comes from the same word as price, which means value. So praise is all tied up in value. And value is a very important thing for us to talk about when we're talking about people and people's value. So what I am to show you this morning is that there's two determining factors as to the worth of praise. Now, praise can be good. The Bible talks about praise often, and it's almost exclusively about us praising God, but there's plenty of times where it talks about people praising each other as well. Proverbs 31.30 says, Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. So there's obvious, obviously some room for people to praise each other. This verse, I'm going to refer to it a few times this morning, it does, however, set up some interesting sort of parallels as to the sort of things which are actually worthy of being praised. So the two determining factors in the worth of praise are the two people involved in the process, the speaker and the hearer. Uh, for the last five years at this school, I've been the media teacher, and um, most students here, if not all of them, um, will have heard the basic sender-receiver model of communication. So I'll give you a, a grade eight little quick media lesson, okay? Anytime communication is happening, there's two people involved. There's the person at the top who is the sender and they send the message down to the person at the bottom who is the receiver, all right? Two people involved. And the message is in the middle and it's contained within something, which is the medium. The medium is the way that you're expressing your message. And usually that's a spoken thing. It's a spoken medium. We're just talking to each other. But as you know, humans are very complex and there's a lot of other little things that can be involved in that. Visual cues like uh, the facial expression that you have or your hand gestures or extra cues just within the voice such as the tone of voice. You know, I can say to Joel, nice hair. It's completely different to what I said to him before. And the only thing that's changed is the tone of voice and probably my ridiculous face. Okay? The interesting thing, though, to, to remember when we're talking about any kind of communication, even as I'm talking to you now, is that there's two people involved. I'm speaking, you're listening. And you'll know from experience that just because you say something doesn't mean that that's what the person hears. Right? We've all said things in the past... Uh, meaning one thing and the other person's heard something completely different. And we need to be able to accept that sometimes we've heard things that people have not said 
we've taken things that people have said and misconstrued it without even realising it, jumped to conclusions without realising it, and turned it into something that it wasn't intended to be. So that sender-receiver model helps us to understand that there's two people involved in all praise outside of the supernatural component, which is a really important part of it, where the Holy Spirit intervenes and directs praise. actually helps you hear things better and helps you say things better. But generally, uh, when we talk about it from a humanistic level, we're talking about two people being involved. So really, those two people are actually the roadblocks that praise needs to get around in order to be uh, worthwhile, to be good. Because uh, we're fallen people, like Pete was saying before, uh, jars of clay, uh, really... In some ways, the odds are stacked against us when it comes to speaking to anybody. It's amazing that anybody ever understands anything that we say and we actually communicate properly at all. So, I've put together a little graph this morning. Hopefully you're excited about it because I know I'm just so excited about it. So, we start here with this idea of giving praise. And we can see that there are two types of praise. Good praise and bad praise. Now, hopefully that makes sense. We'll discuss a little bit what they can be a bit later on, but... You should be able to see pretty clearly that there's going to be some good praise, like you're a really hard worker, well done, and some praise is stupid, like you're so much fun when you're drunk. Okay? They're going to have some two fairly immediate different consequences, good praise and bad praise. But once we get past those initial two types, we get to the hearer. And the hearer interprets the praise. They have two options, to hear it well or to hear it badly. If a person hears uh, good praise well then they can be encouraged. If a person hears bad praise badly, then they will look into themselves and become prideful or vain. Does that make sense? So there's actually four... I've come up with this, four different options here. Okay? Now, there's probably other options, but I think that most of the time they fit into these categories fairly well. And we're going to come back to this graph again at the end and hopefully it will make a lot more sense and it will become clear. So let's start at the beginning by talking about Uh, the person who's giving the praise because that's the first step in communication and that's where some initial problems can arise. In thinking about it, I think that there are five basic types of praise that we give each other. First one, physical. Uh, I think this is the most common type of praise that we give each other. You're so hot. I love your eyebrows. You've got amazing knees. I hear that all the time. That's why I wear jeans. (laughs) Now, physical praise is obviously completely about the physical body. Okay, And like I said, I do think that this is the most common type of praise which is given out. Now, it might not be the most common that you personally give out, but... Uh, If you're on Facebook, or even better, if you're on Instagram, and if you're friends with teenage girls on Instagram, um, no offence, (laughs) then you will see the way that the whole thing works. Now, the internet really is a completely... It it almost can't help but be obsessed with the physical, because that's all it can be. It's just pictures. Particularly Instagram, you take away the words, and it's just pictures. It's just about physical stuff. And what happens on Instagram? You put a selfie up, of yourself, just say if you, if you don't know what a selfie is, a selfie is of yourself. Or some of you might be, I don't know what the heck a selfie is, but you put a selfie up, usually something like this or in the mirror, uh, and then you kind of sit back and wait for the likes to start tallying up. And then hopefully, some one of your friends will say, Oh, you're so gorgeous. 
And then, of course, you have to say back, ah, oh, you are. That's the, what was it called? The bait and switch? Or the, you, you give a compliment so you get a compliment back, right? That's what Sonny talked about last week. And it happens all the time. And I think if you take the internet, maybe, if you take the internet away and Instagram and all that stuff away, then perhaps uh, physical praise won't be the most common. But I think with the internet turning us all into narcissists, I think it definitely is the most common. So the next one is material. Different to physical because material is about the things that you own. That's stuff like you have the most amazing house, I'm so jealous of your car, I love your shoes, things like that. Okay? Make sense? I think that's a bit of a weird one, to be honest. Like, if you praise someone for their car, it's like, what? They didn't make the car. If they made the car, then they should get a high five for sure. That's cool. But if they didn't make the car, I'm not exactly sure how it works. But I do know, and you will know as well, that it's, it's a system that's certainly at work in people's lives. Next one is praising talent, which is the things they do, such as running or making jokes or being smart or artistic. Right? After that, we get into praising their work, which is different to their talents because it's the application of their talents. It's like a good work ethic. You know, it's all willing. I know an artist, I think, are notorious for it. There's so many good artists that do nothing. They just sit around and uh, talk about how good their art is or maybe they draw a bunch of pictures and never show anyone. Um, unfortunately, it seems to be this thing that artists don't have great work ethics, um, at least not the friends that I have. I'm sure some people, some people are. And lastly, it's um, praising value. And I think that that's when we say things like, uh, I love you, or I love that we're friends. That's when we're really expressing that someone is valuable to us. Does that make sense, the five categories? Now, there might be more categories, but I think most of the time they fit up with these, they fit into these five pretty well. Now, I was wondering if you actually agree with me that of all of those five, that physical is the most frequent, the most common. And I would be interested for you, and it's, it's in the community group discussion for this week as well, to think about which one do you most readily give? What type of um, praise and compliments do you most readily give to people? I think it's possible, but it's not necessarily true, but it might give a bit of an indication as to uh, the way that you think about value. The sort of things that you most readily praise in other people might be subconsciously are the sort of things that you value the most highly. And that's not necessarily the case, but it could be. So these are the basic types of praise that we give out. And what's interesting is that they can actually be grouped into three uh, larger sections. What you have, what you do, and who you are. What you have is you have a physical body and you have material things. What you do is your talents and your use of your talents and your value is who you are. So how can it go wrong? Well, I think it's important to consider when we're giving praise the sorts of praise that it makes sense to give to certain groups of people. So in the orange boxes, hopefully you can read it okay, there's the different types of people that we should give and get different types of praise from. You can see uh, what you have uh, is usually from your spouse and your friends. What you do is a bit more broad and includes most people that you know. And then the who you are becomes more specific and, importantly, includes God in the mix of the whole thing. Now, you might already disagree with that and say, no, different people can praise different things, but uh, the problem with praise starts to occur when this happens. 
when we look for praise from anyone that we can get it from. And I think that it's important that we should realise that it means that we've got to be careful about who we give what praise to. Now, some of you might be thinking, why have you got to be so negative about such a positive thing? Why, are you, why have you got to drag praise through the mud? You know, praise is good. We're making people feel good about it themselves. That's got to be a good thing, right? Well, if you bear with me, hopefully I'll be able to point out some of the issues that can arise. It might be a bit confusing to say that this is a problem, that anyone praising anyone is a problem, but hopefully I'll give you an example. Um, if a man tells his wife that she's beautiful, that's a good thing. That's a great thing. A Song of Solomon is an entire book of poetry dedicated to a man describing uh, the beauty of his bride. If one of the wife's friends, though, tells her that she's good-looking, such as happens on Instagram, well, that's okay. But there's more of a problem, there's more of a possibility that some kind of problem may arise there. If a random man goes up and tells someone else's wife that he thinks she's beautiful, then we have some real problems. Well, I would have some real problems if someone did that to my wife. If you still think I'm being a bit too intense and we should just get around complimenting each other, then bear with me. And uh, hopefully I'll be able to explain my point. The problem with this is intent. When you're giving people praise, the problem is intent. You might have heard me say before, you've got to check your motivations. And we should check our motivations in most things that we do. Uh, Like I said before, if you give a compliment just to get a compliment, that's not a good motivation to give a compliment. In fact, you could soon start to justify any compliment and even start lying to people just so that they give you one back. If you tell someone that you don't think is attractive, that they're attractive in order to be told that you're attractive back, you're in a bit of a dodgy place. What's the point in telling someone that they're good looking? Maybe you've never thought about that. But what's the point? What's the goal in telling a person that you think they're good looking? I think for a husband... It's speaking to the beauty that God made his wife with. It is him admiring her femininity. What's the point, though, of a girl telling one of her friends that they're good-looking? Now, it could be great. It could be a good motivation. I'm not saying that all compliments all the time have all these dark underbelly of motivations and we should just stop complimenting people in general. But just because the motivation isn't bad doesn't mean that the consequence won't be bad. Here's the second way that praising people can go wrong, okay? So this is our groups. The second way that it goes wrong is this. When we exchange the top categories over. Did you see the change happen? You might not have seen it. Have a look at those top words in white. When they all change and all of those categories start to turn into who you are. Not what you've got, what you're able to do, and then who you are in the value category, but you start to derive value from every single one of those categories. Remember what I said before, praise comes from the word price, which means value. When we praise someone for their looks, what are we saying? What are we actually saying? What we could be saying is that we value them because of their looks, or we value their looks. When we say that we value a person, we like, a, like a person's car, are we saying that we value them because of their car? I value people with utes. <laughs> my brother has a ute and he was my best man. 
<laughs> it's a trade-off. <laughs> it's not true. I mean, he was my best man. He does have a ute, but that wasn't the reason. Now, once again, you could be thinking that I'm going a little bit too far here, right? You could be thinking that this isn't what you do. Just because some people give uh, compliments and, and, and praise people on their looks because they value that doesn't mean that that's what you do. And I think that that could be very true. It doesn't mean that is what you do. But unfortunately, we live in a society and a culture which is so obsessed with looks that I think sometimes it's hard for us to really get outside of that and really understand our motivations. Um, all you've got to do to go to, is go to high school and have a look at just how pervasive this idea of value is connected to looks. The popular kids are always the good-looking kids, without exception. It's amazing how that works. It's pretty clear that generally in our culture, looks equals value. So what this really comes down to, this idea of value, is it's a question of identity. And this is one reason why we should be cautious. doesn't mean we need to stop totally, but cautious when we praise people. Because we could actually, without knowing it, be speaking into their identity. You know that this happens, right? Let's say you've got a work colleague who is just amazing at their job. They're really, really good. They work really hard. They sacrifice their free time, family time. They sacrifice their weekends, all so that they can do a great job at work. They just work tirelessly. And then you come up and you want to say thank you. You want to express how good they are. And so you say, well done. You're such a good worker. You work so hard. And what are we doing? What are we actually doing there? We could, without realising it, be building in that person more of a sense of identity being found in what they do. We've got to be so careful when we talk to people that we don't affirm negative identities that they've built up for themselves. I think that we do it more than we know. We don't realise just how much our compliments and encouragement can actually contribute to building a false identity for people. I mean, think about it like this. If the only thing a person ever gets complimented on is their looks, I think they'll understandably begin to think that that's all they've got going on. That's all they've got going for them is their looks. And if a person doesn't have that, well, maybe they dedicate themselves to a particular passion and they sacrifice everything else for that thing so that then they start to find identity in that thing. And when we come along to encourage them and to praise them with all the good intentions in the world, we might not necessarily be helping them. We might be helping them, but we might not as well. This is why I think Sondi said last week, um, encouragement, really good encouragement is really about knowing people. See, because if you know someone well and you know... Uh, where they're finding their identity. You know what they're struggling with. I think that you can give praise and encouragement which is more specific, which is going to be more tailored and isn't going to lead them down, hopefully, down a negative path of finding their value and identity in something other than God. Hopefully you can see that these categories up here, some of them are much more important than others. Value is the most important because where we derive our value from is extremely important. And at the end of the day... As countercultural as this is and as hard as this is to really accept, at the end of the day, the only person's opinion that matters is God's. If everyone in the world started saying that you were doing the wrong thing, but you were living to your convictions and you, you were 
uh, obeying the Bible, that you're doing everything you could to serve God, that's the only thing that matters. But for some reason we have this thing like hardwired into us that, that cares about what people think. And we feed it when we get on Instagram sometimes and check our likes or just check stuff in general. I feed it if I have a look at how many people listen to my sermon. You know, I just refuse to do it. I, don't, I want to do it, but I don't want to. You know, it's like the balance thing. I just don't want to even know. I would prefer not to know. And we do. I think that we feed it all the time without realising it. The result of this culture that we live in, this culture of empty and shallow compliments, a culture that emphasises looks over character and what you do over who you are means that we've turned what you do and what you look like into who you are. And they're completely different categories. So hopefully now you can start to see at least a little bit that it's important that you consider the types of praise that you give and who you give it to. So let's talk about giving good praise. Let me give good praise. Is there any worth in ever giving what you have praise? That's the one with we're talking about physical and material. Well, I think that there's certainly worth in giving physical praise to your spouse. I think that the Bible sets a precedent for that. In fact, um, Solomon kind of sets a precedent for saying it publicly and letting everybody else know how good-looking a spouse is. And, you know, if, if you've ever had that, then you know that that can be a really uplifting thing. A really, it, it, it can really help you to... Well, it just increases the love between you a lot of the time if, if someone's willing to go out on a line and do something like that. I think that they're certainly worth in praising your spouse. Um, what about to your kids? Is there, any, is there ever any worth in talking about the physical... Uh, I guess, attractiveness of your kids and encourage them and praising them at what they look like. Well, I think that there is to a point, but I think you have to be careful because I think that it's pretty easy to fall into a trap of that being the only praise that you give them, particularly if they're really good-looking kids. You know, you just give them that praise all the time and how are they associating their value with you? Where do they th- why do they think you value them? Is it because of what they have? because of the looks that they have. I think that we need to be careful sometimes in actually, I, don't, I mean, I don't even have kids, but I, I see families and parents all the time coming through the school. And I think that we need to be careful in the way that we praise kids. The way that they start to think that um, par- their parents value them because that actually does affect the way that they think God values them. The, the things that they think are valuable about them. So I think that we need to be careful. What about to a good friend? I think that perhaps it's okay. I I don't think that there's ever... This isn't like a you're not allowed to do this. Um, But there's a whole bunch of reasons why it could become tricky if you started continually praising the looks of your friends. And they're not really connected to your motivation. They're connected with your friend's ability to hear it well, which is going to be the second half of what we talk about. And then what about just to random people? Well... I personally think that we should do a lot less talking about the looks of random people, particularly the looks of people on movies and things like that. I just don't think in general that that's a very helpful thing to do. Now, you might disagree with me, but generally I can't see the point, I can't see that it does any good to continually talk about the looks of people that we don't even know with each other or to go and hit on random people just because of what they look like. Not that hopefully married people even consider that, but you know, for single people I hope that they don't do that. 
And right down the bottom of the slide, you can see the, the thing that... This is the verse that I think is going to stay on the next two slides as well because it's the most important one to consider. It's from 1 Corinthians 4, 7. For who makes you different from anyone else? What do you have that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, why do you boast as though you did not? This is the thing that confuses me the most about people that are obsessed with their looks as if somehow they're responsible for them. Now, obviously, you can work out and you can get more fit and things like that, but generally, you're kind of, it's kind of set until, unless you're going to spend a bunch of money on plastic surgery and stuff. God has given you what you have. And people become obsessed with and somehow find identity in the fact that they're good-looking as if they're responsible for it. It just its baffling. It doesn't make sense. Um, not only that, though, but then you can ask, well, is there any point in giving uh, compliments and praise to people for what they own? And like I said before, this one makes even less sense to me. Um, I think that you can say, oh, you've got a lovely house. I, you know, I love what you do and maybe you want to use some of their advice to do your own house and stuff, that's fine. But, but actually getting to the point where you value people and you place value upon the sort of clothes that a person wears subconsciously is trippy. It's just a weird, it's weird that that happens, that a person becomes a better person because of the clothes that they wear. But this operates all the time without us realising it. Um, uh, I've had the, I don't know if it's fortunate or unfortunate, uh, or pleasure or displeasure of watching Gossip Girl in the past. Um, my wife and our housemate watched it a bit. And it's just, that's all it's about. It's all about the clothes that people wear. And there's one guy on it who doesn't wear as nice clothes as everybody else, and he's the poor guy. Now, he's really good looking, so that kind of makes up for it. I think. <laughs> there's, there's not really any really, really ugly poor people with you know rubbish clothes or anything like that on the show. That's what the show's all about. All right, next one. Is there any worth in giving the what you do praise? Well, I think that there is, but it really depends on our frame of reference. What you do praise can become really tricky because it starts to um, get us to believe that our value comes from how hard we work and our abilities. And um, I think it has an even more stronger ability to get a person to start to think that they're better than other people because of what they can do. Um, so the first one is this. Is it looking inwards or outwards, upwards or downwards? What I mean by that is if I say to someone, oh, you're uh, so smart, there's potential for that compliment to turn into them thinking they're smarter than everybody else and they look inwards and they find their value in the fact that they're so smart. The alternative to that is that they would look outwards and use that gift from God to help other people. Does that make sense? The difference between looking in and studying my own incredible abilities or looking out and using those abilities to help and bless and love other people. And looking upwards would be thanking God for the gifts. Looking downwards would be looking down at other people as less superior than you because of how amazing you are. And this happens all the time. And it's really difficult. And you will know, and I got a quote later on from Lewis, who was really smart, and he talks about the difficulty of slaying these, he calls it a hydra, with so many heads, it just keeps popping up, this self-admiration all the time. What about this? Is it urging forward for the future or glorying in the past? Um, if you work in an encouraging workplace, 
you may have had some success in some things that you've done. And then maybe there's been a time where people have kind of congratulated you and there's been a bit of a, a praise session about how well you've done, right? Does that spur you on to do it again, to work harder, to do well in the future? Or does that glory in the past and the present? Is it, a ter- is it something that terminates on right now or, as I talked about with Joel right at the start, does it encourage someone to work harder and to do more in the future? One of them is fairly pointless. One of them feeds ego and self-admiration. The other one spurs someone on to do more to help other people. Uh, is it honouring hard work, dedication and self-sacrifice? I actually really prefer this word, honour. I think that it's better than praise. I think that we should develop a culture of honour. I think that we should honour people that work hard, honour people that sacrifice, honour people that apply themselves, and particularly people that are working to help other people and to love other people. And I think that honour is a much more... It's got so much more intent than praise. Praise is just a little flippant comment that you make, whereas honour is something that you do. You honour someone. You know, and you honour someone not just with your words but with your actions. So generally, I like this idea. I went down to meet a, a friend of mine in Melbourne uh, six months ago and he said that he's tried to develop a culture of honour. When someone works hard, they get honoured for that. It's much, much harder to honour someone properly for what they've done than to just give them a pat on the back and say, get back to work. Your praise time's done. <laughs> what about the last one? Is there worth in giving who you are praise? I think there always is. There's always worth in telling someone how valuable they are. As long as you're really talking about their actual value and not just the things that they do or look, you know, how they look or what they own or what they have done. And because we get this confused so much of the time, I think that we're not always, I know I'm not, that great at doing this. Value comes from a person's personhood, not from what they do. One of the, um, a great thing for me in the last uh, two years has been working in a a staff room uh, with a guy who's got a severely disabled daughter. And over the last two years, just the conversations I've been able to have with him and the friendship that I have with him and his family has just helped me so much to be able to see that your value has got nothing to do with what you can do because she can't do anything. Um, deaf and blind, she can't walk, but she is incredibly valuable. And she's not just incredibly valuable because of that, she's just as valuable as anybody else. Her value is derived from the fact that God created her and God loves her and it's got nothing to do with what she can or can't do. And most of the time, it's difficult to tell someone they're valuable without resorting to these ideas of what they can or can't do. But that verse reminds us that everything we have is a gift from God. We're not responsible for what we're good at, for what we look like, I mean, you can say, well, I've just, I just worked really hard for my body, but God gave you a metabolism that that's going to even help with, you know. You can say, I studied really hard, but God gave you the ability to be smart enough for that to sink in. Alrighty. This is something that Sondi says in his um, self-esteem unit. I think it's great. It's really what this is all about. Vertical gifts were not meant to be turned into horizontal value. 
What are they meant to be? I think they're meant to be turned into horizontal love, helping people and serving people. That's why God has given you those gifts. He hasn't given them to you so that you can glory in yourself and elevate yourself over other people. And certainly you've got to be careful about finding value in the things that God has given you. It's interesting to note also that the self-esteem movement, which is something that we talk about quite a bit here, this idea of self-esteem, has begun to work this stuff out as well when it comes to praise and what praise can actually do. I found heaps of articles online which actually discussed the potential for praise to um, actually be harmful for kids' self-esteem. This one in particular I found very interesting. It's from todaysparent.com. Children with low self-esteem feel insecure and unconfident about their character, and well-meaning adults typically look for opportunities to reinforce the child's sense of self. Therefore, when the child experiences success, they would pounce on the opportunity to praise them and bolster their self-esteem by saying, you're so smart, you're really great, you're so talented. While praising the child's character following a success might make the child feel good in the moment, it can also backfire. A recent study gave children either praise for their character, you're great, or their behaviour, you did a great job, and demonstrated that children praised for their character were more likely to feel shame when they experienced a subsequent failure than children praised for their behaviour. In the child's mind, receiving praise for their personal qualities makes them attribute outcomes to their character and their basic ability as opposed to their efforts or their behaviour. Therefore, while praise for success feels good to them, They will also perceive any future failures as reflecting deficiencies in the exact qualities for which they had been praised previously. Because their self-esteem is low, they are more likely to discount their earlier successes and view their failures as verification of the doubts and insecurities they had all along, thus lowering their self-esteem even further. Does that make sense? The interesting thing is that this is about self-esteem, which we're not really all that into here anyway, but it translates into a very similar... um, Response. It actually, it's interesting to find that even the people that are all about positivity and praise and building people up have realised that it's not always a good thing to do all of the time. It's interesting that they've realised that it's not always going to do the job and actually sometimes it's going to have negative effects. But before we go any further, I want to point you back to that top paragraph where I've made that part in bold about the child's sense of self. Hopefully you can see how easily this sense of self idea corresponds to the concept of value that we were talking about previously. What the self-esteem movement here is actually discussing is what makes a child valuable, what makes them them. And even if we take the advice of this magazine, which is to praise how hard they worked as opposed to their personality, it will still mean that they will find their value in working really hard, which while it might increase their self-esteem, which I think... A lot of the time we can actually replace with pride. It will probably translate into them finding the value and sense of self in working really hard and they might turn into a workaholic that finds their value in working really hard. The article continues with this little gem. Samantha McLeod, who has four boys ages one to nine, believes constant complimenting can actually erode self-esteem. Either kids start thinking they're perfect or they try to be perfect all the time, an impossible standard. An inaccurate praise confuses them. She says, if my son can't spell and I tell him he's doing terrific, he learns not to trust his own instincts. He also learns that praise is just flat-out lying. And sometimes it is. Sometimes praise is flat-out lying when we're trying to encourage. And we don't want to be negative, so we can't be real. 
Plus, Taylor adds, telling your child he's the best, the smartest or the most talented is setting him up for some very bad news down the road. You're creating an egomaniac who thinks his scribbles are Rothkos, but sooner or later he'll discover he's not all that after all. But where this article, and I think the whole self-esteem movement in general, falls over is in dealing with failure. It's something that we're all going to have a lot of, and there's not much room for it when we're still dealing with praise on what you can do as opposed to who you are. So what sort of praise should we give? It probably seems as though I've been saying that uh, it's, a, it's a lost cause and we shouldn't do it anymore at all. It's never worth praising anyone. But that's not the case. Look at the proverb that we discussed at the beginning. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. We should, give, we should aim to give the kind of praise that doesn't terminate on self. Give the kind of praise that is least likely to spin a person off into a vortex of confused identity. Give the kind of praise which is least likely to cause a person to think that they're better than other people. Give the kind of praise which is least likely to create a reliance in that person on hearing how good and beautiful and talented they are all the time. The kind of praise, that kind of praise is the kind which reflects God and actually terminates finally on him and not on the person. There's nothing immediately wrong with telling someone you like their shoes. It's not a sin. You've just got to be careful. See, I think it's important to realise that not all the little quips of praise and compliments are good and some of them may be doing more harm than good. I'm not saying that they are. Please hear me properly. I'm not saying that they're all bad and they are really harmful. I'm just saying that they might be. And the reason for this is because there's two people involved in communication, the sender and the receiver. Just because you think you're saying nice shoes doesn't mean that the other person isn't hearing the only good thing about you is your taste in shoes. Which moves us over to receiving. Now, receiving is important because receiving is the part that you have the most control over. I think receiving is almost more important than, than sending. I think that as you give praise, you need to be careful. But if you receive well... That's going to help you a lot, the way that you receive praise. The person between praise and its result is you. You choose how you receive it. The problem is that that choice is a subconscious choice and we're not always aware of what we're doing. So we need to, we need to actually try to become more self-aware of our thoughts and the way that we're thinking so that little stupid thoughts like the only good thing about me is my taste in shoes are stopped before we adopt them and actually start believing them. And you have the ability to choose whether to turn vertical gifts into horizontal value. But this is really difficult. And unfortunately, culture has lied to us for so long, so incessantly, that it's virtually impossible to, to discern what really is going on, which is why we need Jesus. It's why we need Jesus to change our hearts, to help us when we hear something which we could easily turn into pride, and self-admiration, and to stop it, and to instead turn it into thankfulness to God for what he's given us, and then use that to bless other people. It's difficult. C.S. Lewis, like I said, this is the quote. He talked about this inclination that we have of self-admiration. And this is on a personal level. He said, and will you believe it, one out of every three is a thought of self-admiration. When everything else fails... Having had its neck broken, up comes the thought, what an admirable fellow I am to have broken their necks. I catch myself posturing before the mirror, so to speak, all day long. 
I pretend I am carefully thinking out loud what to say to the next pupil, for his good of course, and then suddenly realise I am thinking how frightfully clever I am going to be and how he will admire me. And then, when you force yourselves to stop it, you admire yourself for doing that. It's like fighting the hydra. There seems to be no end to it. Depth under depth of self-love and self-admiration. But I want to take this idea of the renewed heart being able to shape the way that we um, hear praise to the next level. Okay? Let's go back to that chart that we had at the beginning. Hopefully you can see now how it's working. Hopefully as we've talked about it, when you look at it now, you can actually understand how that all works out. Give someone good praise, that is praise that terminates on God and reveals their true identity as a child of God, and they hear it well, and it will result in them feeling encouraged. But let's look at the next option down, though. It's pretty interesting. Give someone good praise and they hear it badly, what's the result? Well, one of the options is that they're going to feel condemned. Let's say I want to encourage my student to do well, and I say, that's really great, that video you made, but there's still room for improvement. You could do this, this, and this. That's encouragement. That's encouraging. I'm saying, that's really great, and you could make it better by doing this. It's not negative. That's positive. That's looking forward. But, you know, there's two ways of hearing that. You could hear it as it's said, which is, well done, keep going, or you could hear, you still haven't got it right. Look at all those mistakes that I've found. And it's interesting to see that the way that even well-intentioned good things can be taken as condemnation and can be taken negatively if we hear them badly. Hopefully, though, you can see that this isn't the person's fault who is doing the encouraging. This is at the point of hearing, of receiving. And most of the time, if we hear things badly like that, it's because we've tied up our identity in something other than God somewhere along the line. We need to get it right. We can't make any mistakes as opposed to accepting the fact that we're going to make mistakes and we're going to keep getting better. Let's go all the way to the bottom. You can see that bad praise, that's the kind of praise that's all about oneself and it's usually some temporal value on the physical or the material. When it's heard badly, it results in a person looking inward and finding value inside themselves. This results in vanity and pride. But the more I thought about this, the more I thought that it's possible to hear even bad praise well. If a person does praise you for some material or physical thing which you have no control over, if you hear it well, you will look upward and thank God for blessing you and ask him how he would have you use that blessing he has given you to help and love other people. So hopefully you can see that the receiving end is more, has more control, more power than the giving. Now, you've got to, I think that it goes both ways. We should all be more conscious, more prayerful, asking the Holy Spirit to guide and direct the compliments and the praise and the encouragement that we give people. But we need to hear things well. We shouldn't... You know, some, some people, they just look for the negative in everything that people say. And you try to do something, you try to encourage someone, and, and they just find a way of twisting it so that you're having a little a go at them. And my encouragement to you would be that it's not necessary to live like that. I actually think that it's possible to be encouraged from attack. You can be encouraged if you want to. You can be encouraged that someone would bother to attack you, that someone's trying to take you down. You can be encouraged if someone says something negative about you. I think that the Holy Spirit can help you to not be discouraged about stuff. 
the way that we listen to people, the way that we process stuff is important. You know, um, I don't know, some people say that you should always expect the worst of people so that you don't get disappointed. Uh, I, th- I, I think that it's better to just assume the best of the things that people say and perhaps think that maybe you've misunderstood them. Why not give them the benefit of the doubt? Now, you don't want to go into crazy land where you start just you know, giving everyone way too much credit. Okay? If someone's really having a go at you, you might need to cut some ties or something. right? But generally, um, it's just going to be a, more beneficial to not jump to conclusions. Go and talk to someone and ask, is this what you meant? Because this is the way... I th- this is what I thought you meant. And I think some of the time, hopefully most of the time, you're just going to have misunderstood it because of your own situation at the time. That can be hard to do. But it's certainly more beneficial than sitting and stewing over something that actually never even happened. So, let's finish up. In a world which is obsessed with self-esteem and praise, how do we redeem praise? I think praise your spouse for your looks. Biblically, it's a great thing to do. Now, I, I could be a bit controversial here. I may as well be. Um, I think it's a bit strange, the obsession that modern society has with discussing people's looks. I actually think, in my opinion, and this really is only my own opinion, I have not checked it with Sondi or um, Nathan or the Pope or anyone like that. <laughs> I think the only people that it really makes sense for me to compliment on their looks are my wife, my kids and my mum. I think that would be it. If you disagree, that's okay. But if you can, just think and imagine a world in which that was all that ever happened. If every person in the world only praised the looks of their spouse and their immediate family, do you think that the world would be a better place or a worse place? I can't help but think it would be a better place. Now, the the only reason for that is because we're fallen people and we take compliments so badly and we become so prideful and so self-obsessed. But that being the case, I think if everyone was w- would only compliment uh, their their spouse and their immediate family, that the world would be a better place. I can't help but think that it would kill narcissism. It would be so hard to be narcissist if only seven people ever told you that you were good looking. You know, you would only be a narcissist around them. That would get really annoying, actually. <laughs> I think that it would help to battle issues about body anxiety. You know? I really think it would. I think it would help stuff like anorexia and bulimia if you, if you weren't fishing for compliments because you knew you weren't going to get them. And I actually think it might even go some way in preventing adultery to just stop thinking about what people look like all the time. For me, those possibilities give me good reason to limit the amount of physical praise that I give out to non-family members. Just my opinion. You can disagree and it's fine. Secondly, I think that we should replace the word praise with honour. See, I do think it's really important that we pay tribute to the good things that people do, but I don't think praise is the best word. Honour your friends, your family, your co-workers for the hard work that they do and encourage them to continue striving. I love one, uh, 1 Thessalonians 4. Now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another, for that is indeed what you are doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. But we urge you, brothers, to do this more and more. Keep going. Honour someone for what they're doing and then encourage them to go further. We also need to make sure that we receive praise well. Here it is an encouragement, as it says in Hebrews, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, 
but encouraging one another. Fight the urge to look inwards to yourself and downwards over the top of other people when you're praised. Ask Jesus for help. Ask the Holy Spirit for help when you're struggling with self-admiration, pride and vanity. Rather, look up and be thankful to God for the gifts that he has given you and look outwards to see how you can love and serve those around you. Hear rebuke and reproof well for its encouragement in disguise. You do not need to feel condemned just because someone says you've got something wrong. It's better to hear the truth than to be lied to. Do not mistake what you can do, have done, own or look like for who you are. And always ask yourself when you're being praised, is this making me thankful or prideful? As I said in the beginning, hopefully it hasn't been too controversial and hopefully as you've bared with me, you've been able to understand where I'm going. It's, it's just about balance. It's just about balance. Some of us praise too much. Some of us don't praise anywhere near enough. That's probably me. Probably all of us that sometimes praise in ways which encourage self-dependence and self-admiration. Likewise, we are all probably guilty of hearing things badly sometimes, which is why we need the Holy Spirit. We need Jesus and his word to help us because this tool of encouragement that Pete talked about last week, honour and praise, this is incredibly powerful when it's used correctly within the church, but it can also be incredibly destructive when it's used incorrectly. Let's pray. God, thank you that you encourage us and thank you that we find our value in you. Thank you that we don't have to depend on um, what we can do, what we look like, the things that we own. uh, They don't make us. Thank you that you made us, that you love us and that you encourage us. And just pray that your Holy Spirit would be working in the people in this room to direct their compliments, their praise, their encouragement that it would become a Holy Spirit-based encouragement, that it wouldn't terminate on self, but it would direct towards you, towards doing great things, towards loving other people, and not just about building us up in ourselves, making us self-dependent, self-reliant, self-admirers. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that can, even in a confused world like this, uh, direct our paths and clear our minds. Amen.